This is Vixen John, creator of Minute Made New York, and you're listening to Minutes Heard. On today's episode of Minutes Heard, you're going to hear my conversation with Ronnie Barrage, who is a current jazz musician and world-renowned at what he does. We were mutually connected through another Minute Made subject, Lamero Gatewood, and I had the opportunity to meet Ronnie at his home after one of his rehearsals and really get a sense of who he is and the many causes that he's involved with. So he's not just about music, he's about helping the kids as well. So I had a chance to sit down with him and hear all about him and his amazing background and his current work. So sit back and take a listen. So the first thing I like to ask everyone is uh, what's your motivation to get up every day and just make the best of you know what you're doing and you know what's your motivation um my motivation pretty much is that um i've been blessed to have um a job and a career and passions that i truly truly love and that's composing making music playing music touching people through the music um i've taught on every level i'm, I'm still teaching at university and colleges now i love to um I think when I get up each day, I want to have the opportunity to, to use whatever life throws at me to make some new music. So a new piece of art, you know, that's like it's always um, the uh, one of the guiding things that pushes me through the day. I, I, but I think I think the big motivation is to, is to, to change people's lives through what I do. Be it either through the art that I do or um, the educational programs that we have going on. My wife and I, we have a nonprofit. We have a program right now. We're working to bridge the gap between generations. It's a gen to gen thing, and because it's a big, it's a big, um, like huge void and gap of, especially African American culture, from the youth. And the old folks, the old folks are scared of the youth, and the youth figure they know everything and they can't learn nothing, which is complete opposite. <laughs> you know what I mean? When I grew up, it's like we valued our elders, we respected our elders, we didn't even think about going and cursing them out and pushing them down and doing the things that happens nowadays. So, and you know, that's one of that's 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 a big motivator right there to just to get these programs off and try to change the world by, you know, showing people that we got gold mines right here in the community, you know. Yeah. Okay. Um, so just uh, just do a super brief recap of, like, who you are, what you do, how long you've been doing it. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, okay, my name is Ronnie Barrage. I've done, I've played music my entire life. Um, I come from a musical family. My grandfather was a poet. My mother's the oldest of eight. Pretty much everybody played an instrument at one point, or uh, did some dance uh, form of art form. Painters, sculptors, um, dancers, uh, poets. Um, I think I started playing music. Well, they tell me from the time I was walking, I was banging on something. So drums was my first love. There was always a piano there. I used to go and pick out movie themes from the old TV and stuff like that, and radio shows. Um, I was blessed to to tour a couple of cities with the great Duke Ellington. I was only nine years old. I didn't have a clue what was going on. But I grew into the legacy, you know, of learning about him. 
I was already in the music at nine, but you know, I like just just to know who he was is something different. I had to grow into that. Later on in my high school years, I played with several junior high and high school. I played with several different pop uh, professional bands in St. Louis. I was born in St. Louis. Fontella Bass was a great on being gospel singer. Rescue me. Da, 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 da. She had hit some years ago, so I played with her when I was very young. A guy named Oliver Sane had a bunch of hits. I was always playing music, and um, I was always into sports, too. Um, let's see. I thought I was going to be the first black hockey player, ice hockey player, because <laughs> I played ice hockey for nine years. I was only black on the team for seven. It was a St. Louis City team. I started that real young. But, of course, playing music and football and hockey don't mix because I'd be beat up on the gigs, you know, and all bruised and tired. and You know, people be like, what happened to you? You get jumped on something, you know? It's just the sports. But anyway, it, it, and as a young teen, I moved to New York. Um, uh, I guess I officially moved here when I was 18, and I started playing with great, great jazz um, icons like Sonny Fortune and McCoy Tyner, uh, Jackie McLean and Sonny Rollins, all these great players. And, you know, once you start as a young player, if you get taken under the wing by some of those guys, your career is kind of pretty much set. So I started getting calls from all types of people. I played all the time. Lived in New York for 29 years. Um, had some children's children. Had a marriage. Got divorced. Ended up uh, um, raising two of my daughters on my own for about 10 years. Went to Penn State. Started teaching there. Still traveling the world and playing with different people. But not so much because I was, you know, I had to be kind of like a stay-at-home dad. So, um... And then met my beautiful wife from now out of Penn State. And we've been married five years. Our anniversary was yesterday. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and uh, then we were like, when this new administration came into play, we saw how people that we thought were really cool, where we lived in Pennsylvania, started flying the Confederate flags. <laughs> so it was like, <laughs> plus I got like um racially taken out of a, a good position I was supposed to do at Penn State. So we said, now nah, let's move back to New York. So we've been back here for a couple of years, a little more than a couple of years, and doing really well. Things are working for us. We have our nonprofit, which I kind of briefly mentioned, some one of the programs we do. Last year we had a program in the Brownsville Middle School. Our main focus and thing that I know God brought us together is that we want to affect change in the most underserved and marginalized people of color in the world. Not just here, but we're starting here with the youth, you know. Uh, we have relationships with people in Ethiopia and Nigeria and Ghana, so we've our reach is far. We plan on implementing programs there, and what we do is bridge uh, the arts and the sciences. My wife is a geographer, so we had a program called GeoArts. So we take them around the world um, virtually right now, you know, talk about the different themes and cultures, different things about, because uh, she does human geography, which covers the whole thing, such as environmental justice, you know, all of those types of issues. Uh, 
And so with me, with the arts, and um, so I, I showed them different types of music and art and literature in the world to show them that, you know, as human beings, we, we have some kind of strands of commonalities, right? And if, if you look at the way we're taught here in America, there's always America first and everybody else is second. You don't realize that there's human beings all over the world struggling the same way we are. We're no better than anybody else. So those are the those are the things that we're really passionate about, and I know God brought us together because we're really, really passionate about changing the world that type of way. So me being able to use the music and do what I do, she uses her her um, knowledge of the geography and the sciences. It's it's a great bridge, you know. Um, other than that, like I said, I, I have um, back to my career. I've toured on pretty much every. I've toured every continent of the planet. I've been uh, so many different places, being blessed with the music, and forged relationships, and played all types of music with uh, people from other cultures. I did back in the day; they used to do U.S. State Department tours, so I had gone all through Africa, Pakistan, uh, Saudi Arabia, India, all of these various places that you know it's kind of difficult to get to nowadays, like especially under the auspices of the U.S. government because they don't have too many programs left. But back then they were really good because it was a serious cultural exchange program. You know, I get to spend the whole day with like these great uh, classical um, traditional drummers in different parts of Africa or, or you know, with the, wherever we were visiting, you know, and then I can exchange with them how, you know, whatever, how their parts of their culture migrated to the States and turned into some of the rhythms we play, you know, and with the drum set and things like that. So uh, I've been extremely blessed. I'm very, 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 very grateful um, to be my age, to have, um, you know, four children, five grandchildren that are still playing, you know, and, and uh, uh, yeah, so I don't know. I hope that covered what you asked. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> it was very brief. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. <laughs> no, no, that's good. No, that's a lot of um, good information. Um yeah, kind of going back to uh, your nonprofit, I have a question just kind of piggybacking off of that. Okay. So, um, I definitely agree with you in the sense of like trying to bridge the gap between generations because I feel personally, like as a younger person, mm -hmm. that that gap is it's just it's it's every generation it gets wider and wider. Right. Yeah. Uh, and because once again, like you were saying before, like we don't like us as younger people we don't value or I think I think well at least my generation mm -hmm. you know I, I was born in like the late 80s right, so for okay. me it's like I had the opportunity to have that type of upbringing of like respecting my elders and right. being able to appreciate you know their right. contributions right. and right. at the same time in the same reverse like you know elderly, elder people like being able to embrace the younger generation right. and kind of like learn from them too. Right, absolutely. So, so for you, um, you know, just based off of like, you know, between your career and kind of what you've experienced, like what do you think is the biggest, I guess, what is like the biggest cause for that rift um, or that gap? Well, man, you know, we've been under serious, um, when I say we, I'm talking about the African-American culture. I'm going to talk specifically to that right now. We've been under attack since um, slavery. There's been so many things at play here that people don't even really realize, you know, like the housing projects and all of those stuff. When they were built, they were, first of all, built the only way 
an African American family could get in there is if the father wasn't part of the stru of the structure. Those contracts were only given to African American mothers. I don't know if you know that. The only way they could get at one point uh, any type of assistance, the father had to be out of the picture. He could not live with them. So that's 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 essentially written in a lot of different laws and different types of ways. So that has, you know, I mean, imagine what that's done to our culture. First of all, you know, the the first of all, it's a it, the the way it was written. It's almost like a legal separation. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't have this home if your husband is living in the home with you. <laughs> you know, it's backwards. But that was only for our culture. And very, very poor white people, too, at the same time. People who needed projects, like pruitt Igo was one in St. Louis. And they, and they talk about, there's a documentary called pruitt Igo. You should check it out, where they break all of that down. And that stuff was happening long before they even started to construct projects. The whole concept of breaking up families. I mean, in slavery, what did they do to us? You know what I mean? I mean, they took us apart from each other. So imagine how... Years and years of that working on our psyche as people, you know, um, as, much, as hard as we fought to try to keep the family structure, um, there's all of these things out there that would say, oh, well, you would benefit more if that you didn't have that. So, so you got that going on, right? You got the fact that, um, like, right after Reconstruction, they passed a law that any... Uh, a person in a uniform namely a white person in a uniform no matter what kind of uniform had the right to physically harm meaning kill a person of color if they refused to stop to talk to them and not recognize their authority in whatever uniform they have that's in the law still that's why the whole Michael Brown case was, was done behind closed door because in the Supreme Court, there's still that law that an officer has a right to shoot anybody of color, even in their back, if they refuse to stop. Imagine how, you know, our uh, elders knowing that and, and how we had to live, you know, is under constant fear. So now you get to the point where, you know, uh, how they've taken most of our men and put them away in prisons for misdemeanors, minor offenses. We got a big gap already right there, you know, and that's been happening in various forms. Like I just exampled you from the way we live, from the way we have to fear just walking down the street from the, and, and, and it's clear that the educational system is biased. If the city education is different from rural education or, you know, um, so that's been clear. So we got a lot of hurdles we got to do. First of all, that little bit of uh, truth and knowledge I just said to you needs to be taught in our schools like every single day and in every black home. We need to know that so that we can reverse that cycle. You know, all I do, all I do, I believe that, that you know, it's going to happen. I mean, with programs like ours and other programs and people who know these things, we got a duty to, to talk about it, to keep it present and alive until we can, you know, be powerful enough to change it, you know. But, I mean, that's, that's I can't, 
I can't pinpoint exactly why a lot of that is the thing, but I know that those things I mentioned to you are, are root issues that we've been dealing with for centuries. You know, uh, the way this whole thing is constructed, is constructed um, unequally. You know, so we gotta fight. I mean, we 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 fight all the time for whatever we, you know, what we need. You know, but we got a lot of work to do. We have to do it. You know, it's like um, I tell you, I tell you an example. Like the the some of the the, the middle school kids we had here, they they become respectful. But after this serious test, the serious test, right? It doesn't matter that you're an elder, that you're a professor. Now, I didn't went to school and I got my degrees and I'm a professor, right? And I'm trying to teach. I'm not trying to teach them like that. I'm just trying to teach them as an elder. The first thing is, I'm an elder. Shut up, you know, listen. I'll just give you an example. We went down and did a summer camp in Mississippi where those kids have the same issues as these kids, but their family go to church make them go to church from the first day we went in there and started talking to them kids the 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 attitude of respect was already there did they agree with everything we were talking about no but they were there and they gave us the respect and that right there just opens up a whole thing for communication and understanding and learning right these kids we had to go through so much back and forth back and forth you know and it's because, and none of these kids are going to church. You know, there's, um, I, you know, I don't know all of the ins and outs of what's going on in the community. I'm talking about right here in the Howard Housing, because uh, that's where the school is located. But what I do see was that was clear. You know, that was clear. Um, there's a there's a lack of respect for the elders. There's no spiritual element or religious element in their lives. Um, and there's no understanding of community, right? Uh, we had a bunch of kids from um, uh, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, and the fact that I'm trying to break down and look, we all are connected because we all ended up in these places as African slaves. They didn't want to hear it. They're not learning it from their families, right? They learn a little bit of it, but basically, oh no, I'm totally different from you. And that's a problem. You know, we gotta, we have to, we have to, we have to understand. Hold on, we got all these serious, same threads of commonalities, right? So, it's um, it's a lot of work to be done. You know, um, I try to write tunes that tell story, music that tell stories of, of those different trails and using different elements of rhythm from all over the world so people can relate to it. You know, or or harmonic structure or melodic structure that's from a, a different place in the world, you know. Um, and uh, also just introduce young people to the fact that, you know, you got to know your history. You got you to gotta look at this history because, you know, it, it ain't doing it but repeating itself. And where it's going right now, uh, I don't know where it's going right now, but it's not good, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but anyway, that, you know, I don't want to get dark, too dark. But I'm just saying, there's man, there's so much work we got to do, and we got to start by by bridging gaps between all of us. I mean, you know, every culture, every color, everybody, but and 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 within our own culture, definitely within the age group, the generations, because th these kids are missing out on so much, so much. Like I said, history repeats itself. 
we got people over here in this elderly center that's 90 years old, right? That have lived through some of the same things in a different way, but they can share how they made it out, mm-hmm. you know? And so, you know, we have to, we have to uh, figure out a way so people are receptive to all of that. And, and the elders need the young from the youth too, because they need to understand like, why? You know, they like this type of trap music or they like this or they like that, you know? Talk about it. See those pinpoints. What 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 makes something um what inspires them when they hear something. We did a video, we had some of the elders over there and we like, what kind of music? You're like, oh that old school on B, you know, cause it tells a story. We went a block away and got some young sisters about fifteen to sixteen. I said, we were like, what kind of music I like? Oh, that old school R and B because it tells more of a story than the music than our generation. So we captured that right on video. I put them right next to each other. So that's clear proof that if they can have a conversation, you know, the music will open the door for that conversation, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, this project we're working on is to go in a lot of elderly homes and bring the kids from the local high school, you know, 10 or 12, you know, try to get some kids that the administrators think would be receptive to this first. Bring them in and then play a concert with them, all types of music open conversations, boom, 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 see what happens from there. And the, the ultimate goal is to create mentorship. You know, maybe these youth will say, man, I really connected with that old dude. He was telling me something that's happened to me right now and how he got through it. I want to go back and talk to him, you know. Those are the types of things we're trying to foster and, and have happen, you know, through the music and, the, and, and what we do. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's, um, that's really powerful because... You know, I I think, you know, similar to what you're saying, like that connection is so lost, and you know, just literally having those same similar reactions right. between those elderly people and the young people, right. and they would never know that they have those commonalities exactly. unless they actually are connected. Right. You know what I'm saying? So you being able to bridge that gap through right. your program is is right. inspiring because it's right. like. When would those opportunities ever happen? Right, you know right. What I'm probably never. Never, never. <laughs> it won't happen organically. At least yeah. you know what I mean. It's not going to happen to where it's like, oh, young people, we think about, yo, we should go visit this right, right. old center, like talk to the old <laughs> right, cats. Right, you know no. what I'm saying? Like, something, like, so it has to be someone like you, right. or it has to be some type of organization right. like bring that together, and that's important because mm. you know it's not only going to open, it's going to give the elders faith that the you know the kids are going to be alright. Exactly. <laughs> in a way. Exactly. And then at the same time. You know, for the young people, that's like, yo, these old cats aren't so bad, right? So right. To speak, because they always have right. their own perception of, right. like, oh, you're old, you're out of touch. And especially, I think, just in this current generation of like technology and all these things, yeah. like, we don't rely on elder people to teach us things because we go straight to the computer, exactly. we go straight yeah. to right. you know all this fast information, and right. we're not thinking like, yo, I could get the same type of information from a source, right? That's right. been there, that's gone right. through it, that's experienced yeah. it. You know what and I'm and the story that they kill me. Is way more powerful than something I'm reading on my phone. It might be way different you know? too. Yeah, way different. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm yeah, exactly. That's what the other thing too is like. Even if we touch a few people, you know, just knowing that okay, like one or two of those elders that we know there would feel even more comfortable going to the grocery store, knowing that if they fall down or if they drop a bag, some young person is gonna come and say, "Oh, can I help you?" Because listen, living here, I've seen the exact opposite. <laughs> Young old woman fall down. Kids come and try to take their they stuff, or just walk right past them. You know, and I'm like, and I'm like, yo, man, do you see this? Who so? 
you know, <laughs> I step up. I mean, that whole thing is like, it's like, whoa, it's, 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 it's mind blowing and it's so hurtful, you know, when you think about it. It's like, come on, we can't treat people. First of all, if you treat an elder of your own color and your own race like that, you know, just think how you you, you just go, you treating each other. It's like, right. you know, so yeah, those things, you know, just 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 no matter how small or big the level is, we could do it. We, I'm definitely we're doing it, you know, because we already got an emotion, and I know I see that that void needs to be it needs to start getting closed, you know. We got to close that gap. Yeah. 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 So, um, one, one more question, but it kind yeah. of more pertains to your music. So, I mean, speaking of like you, you said that you create music and, you know, your goal is to kind of like, you know, change people and mm-hmm, touch mm-hmm. people's lives. Mm-hmm. So, if, um, if you could recall like one instance in like your musical career, whether on tour, mm-hmm. different stuff, where let's say, you were performing or something like that and you've kind of seen like a direct like a direct effect mm-hmm. of like your music or mm-hmm. whether it's like you were performing mm-hmm. or like you were proposing yeah. something or you were practicing with like a different group of people like you know just kind of recall what is it that you can remember yeah your music you can see like directly like affected a crowd or right affected one person or you know what I'm right. saying? yeah i could well i could tell you this that's how i know i've been blessed because i've had multiple uh, instances for years of different things like that. When I was younger, my mother used to manage my band in St. Louis. We used to play in the youth detention centers and then in the um, in the city jails, right? Playing music, right? They had a program on St. Louis. I can't remember what it was, but we would play for a good hour, and that was it. We didn't even interact to talk to them, but they got a chance to see the music and enjoy the music, right? Um, they no questions asked or nothing. So, a couple of times, when I've gone back to St. Louis, I don't even know, it's been way more than a couple of times, but one time I remember specifically, this cat came up to me, he looked to be about maybe 10 years older than me, and this is about like 20 years ago, he's like, man, you that dude that played in the prison when I was in prison, he said, I came out, when I got out, I stopped doing drugs, he said, "I got not, he's like he's got a production company now. He started out as a DJ, you know." He said, and it was because of them rhythms he was playing on the drum. He told me directly, right? That's one instant. Uh, you know, uh, I taught at Penn State for ten years. I constantly get emails. Like I have a, a young man now, and his name is Mike Walls. He's got a hot group in LA. They got some new things. He was just on the Billboard charts. You know, he emails me. He's like Professor B. Had you not exposed me to all that music around the world and just the humanity that we got to be dealing with, I wouldn't be here where I'm at now. You know, just, just, so, and then I've gone places in Europe. Like, as a matter of fact, this is, this story here that the piano players, a young piano player plays in my trio. We got a trio called Holographic Principle. Look for us. We got a new CD dropping in a couple months. So this guy's like, he's like at least 25 years younger than me. Maybe even more. He's a young kid. He grew up listening to a record that I did. I recorded a record with a great uh, Polish bass player who passed away of cancer, unfortunately. Mm. He's a good friend of mine. He passed away in his late 30s. But we did a recording over there. I took two musicians from the States, great tenor player named Gary Thomas who played with Miles Davis, great piano player named Dave Kukowski who's played with all types of people. I took them with me to help him produce this record. We did a record. That record ended up being like a jazz classic 
in all of Europe, but most of, mostly in Poland because this guy was a big star of the bass player. This kid, I think he told me he was 10 years old. He started listening to that record. He decided instead of playing all the classical, he wanted to play jazz. So he learned the vocabulary of the music from that record, right? He called me up, what, uh, five years ago? He's like, hey, you don't know me, but you know we're doing a tribute to the music of Andre Sujic, and you were on the recording. I want to bring you to Poland to do a series of tours, right? So I went and did a series of tours, and now he's my piano player. You know, he's like he his life was changed by learning the vocabulary, the music that he heard me do. You know, and that's happened countless a number of times because I've done I've done I've done a bunch of recordings that. I don't. Some of them I don't even remember doing a recording, but I'll get an email or I'll meet somebody someplace in the world and they're like, man, this this recording made me play music. This recording made me become a lawyer. This recording made me want to teach, you know, this or that or the other. This recording did that, you know, and it's all because the song you wrote or how you played and blah blah blah. So there's I I, I see it a lot, direct um, contact and and I'm the kind of musician that when I play. I'm looking at everybody. I'm making eye contact. You know, I love what I do. So I'm constantly hyped. I'm smiling. I'm always excited, right? And um, at the end of the show, if it's a if it's a club or even a small concert hall, I'm usually out there off the stage meeting people, shaking their hands, asking them what they think about the music. Because the music I write, when I start the show, I'm like, y'all about to take a journey. You know, sometimes I'll break it down and say, this song is about this. I'll give them something to think about, or I won't, and I'll play. Then I'll ask them about the music. Most of the time, people say, oh, I saw this or I saw this, because I, 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 I try to compose music visually. Uh, like, my, my real passion is I want to write for film, like serious mm -hmm. film, you know. Um, um, so when I give the people the chance, I give them title, the tune, and then I play the song, most of the time, the feedback I get is like, oh, man, I was I was over here. I was seeing this. I'm seeing this. I'm seeing it. And that's, they're always talking about visually what they saw and emotionally what they felt, you know. But it's, it's never about technically, you know, how many notes was played or all of that kind of stuff. It's about a feeling it gave them, and it, and it took them um, to a place. Um, what's the word? Not transform, but... Um, it took them to a place. Transcended. Transcended them to a place, exactly. So um, that's what I'm saying. I'm blessed with what I do because um, God's allowed me to see a lot of the, the direct result of what I've done. But also just I'm so I'm, 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 I'm happy to get up every day because it's another day for me to write some music or reach somebody or touch somebody. You know what I mean? Thanks for listening to this episode of Minutes Heard. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And follow or subscribe to Minute Man New York on Facebook, Instagram, and on YouTube. Do you have a minute?